It's a simple request, sometimes spoken from a mother to a child, a brother to a sister, a friend to a friend. It's a request that requires trust, belief, action. It requires you to put your faith in a person who will lead you to safety, to peace. A long time ago, Jesus Christ spoke these simple words to his closest friends, and his invitation still stands today. Come, follow me. Follow me and I will show you how to love others and love yourself. Follow me and I will show you how to repent and be forgiven and forgive others. Follow me to turn things around, to start over, to navigate the storms of life and the storms of death. Follow me to find purpose, your purpose, God's purpose. He taught us the way. He showed us the way. And when we follow his way, we find new life. Amen. Oh, yeah. Give God some praise right there. Come on, saints. Come on. The brothers have set the atmosphere. Amen. Keep clapping. Keep clapping. Keep clapping. And the video has reminded us of the privilege of following. Amen. Would you stand with me for the reading of the word, please? Turn in your Bibles to the book of John, St. John, the first chapter. As you find John, the first chapter, I want to sort of reemphasize the whole purpose of our series it's a, it's a New Year series because at the beginning of the year, you have the opportunity to capture a whole lot of momentum. Somebody say amen. amen. And if you begin now working on some stuff, at the beginning of the year, it may set your trajectory for the remainder of the year and for your <coughs> life. And so we have all heard the phrase YOLO, you only live once. And what that phrase is designed to do is to give you a sense of urgency that you got to just use this like this all you got. But what they fail to understand is we are eternal beings. Yes, help me, y'all. Help me, y'all. We are yeah, eternal right, beings. Right. So you will spend eternity somewhere. Right. Look at your neighbor and say somewhere. somewhere. And what the Lord Jesus has given us, the privilege of spending eternity with him. And so... And you, when you understand in the fullness of time what that looks like for you, it should determine how you live your life every single day based upon the fact that you only live forever. So it's a play on words, but it, it is to capture each of us at whatever stage in life that you are. I don't care if you're 15 or 65. I don't care if you're 101. Amen, somebody. You, you have something with which to contribute for the kingdom. And that's the essence of what we're dealing with. So the Lord Jesus, as he comes on the scene, it's always best to look at what happens when Jesus comes upon the scene. John chapter 1. Those that have found it, say, I've got it. I've got it. Those that look and say, give me a second, preacher. Oh, nobody said nothing. That's great. All right. John chapter 1, beginning at verse 35. Listen to the word of the Lord. 
The next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and noticed them following him, he asked them, what are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and you'll see, he replied. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John and followed him. He first found his brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought Simon to Jesus. When Jesus saw him, he said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. And the people of God said, amen. amen. Heads about, eyes are closed. Father, we pause right now to give you glory for the simplicity and power of your word. Father, we're so grateful that you sent your son, Jesus Christ. As, as a pathway to eternal life. We're grateful that he came for the purpose of showing us how to live and by showing us how to die. And Father, we're grateful for his death, burial, and resurrection. And Father, we are placing our trust in, in what he did for us on Calvary's cross, that it would dictate how we live our lives every day for his kingdom. Now, Father, we've made our way to church, and, and Lord, we're battling all sorts of distractions, both technology and personality. So, Father, I'm asking in faith that you help us to listen to your word, to heed your word, to place it on our hearts. And, Father, in this exchange of pastor and people, Lord, may you be glorified in all that takes place on today. You are a wonderful God. Wonderful God. We worship you, we love you, we honor you. We submit this prayer to you by faith in the name of Jesus. Let everybody say amen. amen. Praise God. You may be seated right where you are. Ushers, thank you so much for all that you do, for all that you do. I want to put a, put a tag on this text for today and speak from the topic of spread life. Spread life. The first installment of this series was choose Life. The second installment, today's message, is spread life. For those of you who are a little more digitally savvy, you can go to the Version Bible app, click on the bottom three bars to the right. It'll take you to live events, and you can download a digital copy of today's sermon notes. Somebody say spread life. Oh, man, y'all are kind of dry today. Come on. Uh, how you how you gonna say spread like spread life? You can't even say that without it. Come on, somebody say spread life. Glory to God in the highest. Here's the big idea for today's message. On the top of your handouts, our love for Christ will lead us to tell others about Him. Our love for Christ will lead us to tell others about him. 
as I grow older, I am drawn to the concept of legacy. And that is, in essence, what we are dealing with when we speak from the topic of you only live forever. It is living a life beyond your life. It is having an impact upon things eternal. And the fact that I actually get to be a part of something beyond me, it blows my mind. Now, let me be clear. I'm not talking about endowments. I'm not talking about wills. I'm, I'm not talking about anything I can leave financially. And I'm not saying don't do that. Amen. But what I am saying is we have to have a vision that goes beyond the tangible. We have to have a desire for things that go beyond what we can touch. John Maxwell puts it this way. He says, if you are successful, it becomes possible for you to leave an inheritance for others. But if you desire to create a legacy, then you need to leave something in others. So that speaks of legacy. It, it speaks of seeing life as it is but having the faith to know that there is something beyond what is seen. And y'all, that is how the Lord Jesus Christ comes upon the scene. He comes upon the scene giving us a glimpse of what could be. So the opening session, it says, when we reflect upon legacy, the impact we will leave for generations, what matters most is how we follow Christ and lead others to him. Y'all, I'm not going to ask you when was the last time you told somebody about Jesus. I'm not going to even make you feel guilty because that's not the point of the message. But I wish to begin by asking the question, when was the last time you led somebody to Jesus? When, when was the last time you didn't, you didn't showboat your faith, you didn't, you didn't pop off a bunch of scripture that you learned in vacation Bible school, but when was the last time you simply challenged somebody else by telling them this is what Jesus has done for me? Now, if he ain't done nothing for you, if he's never done anything to impact your life instantly or eternally, then perhaps I'm not talking to you, but if he's done anything for you, if, if, he's, if he's transferred your life from death to life, if he's saved your soul, then the word of God declares you ought to be saying something every chance that you get. When was the last time? You just whispered a word of hope to a person who was hopeless. When was the last time you, you spoke a word of eternity to someone who thought that their life was about to end? This is how we spread life. Get ready to write. Helping others to find and follow Jesus Christ. Helping others to find and follow Jesus Christ. See, here is what challenges the church. Because we get caught up in stuff that literally has nothing to do with eternity. Oh, am I preaching to, maybe I need to preach to myself. We, we get caught up with stuff that stops and dies when we die without understanding that we've been called to things eternal. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. 
That goes beyond what is seen. And so even in the midst of the death that we have experienced as a church family, it is so comforting to know that when I close the casket on this side, I know that the person that I close the casket on, I'm going to see them on the other side. When, when I stand at my grandmother's grave and say, fare ye well, Gannett, to know that on the other side, Oh, I need a witness up in here that, that this is not as good as it gets. So there ought to be a sense of urgency within the body of Christ to spread life. Somebody say spread life. Oh, that was weak. Somebody say spread life. So John's entire ministry was that of a forerunner. We covered that a bit in two, uh, two weeks ago when, when we introduced John chapter 1. His role, John the Baptist's role, was to point others to Christ. Let's pick up in verse 29 if you'll of chapter 1. So here we are from where we left off last two weeks ago. It says, the next day, see John gives us a chronological day by day of this first installment of Jesus' ministry. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I told you about. After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. I didn't know him, but I came baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and, and he rested on him, the Holy Spirit that is. I didn't know him, but... He who sent me to baptize with water told me, the one you see the Spirit descending and resting on, he is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Somebody say amen. amen. John's whole ministry was about simply helping the world to see and know that the Messiah is coming. The first thing we discover from John the Baptist in verse 29 is Jesus is the lamb. Get that down. Jesus is the lamb. The one sent as a sacrifice. Isaiah 53 and 7 said he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb led to slaughter and like a sheep silent before shearers. He did not open his mouth. Jesus is the lamb. What do you mean he is the lamb? He is the one that was sanctioned to die for my sins and for yours. And y'all, if you don't remind yourself on a daily, weekly basis that he died, That he died for you. That he died for me. If you don't remind yourself, then you, you'll forget and be so far removed that you'll be misled into thinking, I got here by myself. But every now and then, child of God, you have to be reminded that the Lamb of God came to, to die as a sacrifice for your sins and for mine. Somebody say he died. Jesus is the Lamb of God. And so even as John is, is speaking this publicly, he is affirming that there he is. There is the Lamb of God. What he's saying is there is the dead man walking. But he's not going to die for himself. He's dying for us. Somebody say Jesus is the Lamb. But then he also affirmed the fact that Jesus is eternal. 
Oh, these are facts that we have to continue to remind ourselves. John says in verse 30, this is the one I told you about. After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. Somebody say before me. John wants us to understand that before beginning began, Jesus was there. And so he is eternal, although he is coming in the flesh, he is eternal. And what I love about John is he is such a simple man in his language. John the Baptist, he doesn't pull any punches. He just, he just tells it like it is. He said, he existed before me. He is a lamb. He is eternal. And it is affirmed because Jesus baptizes. Get that third one. Jesus baptizes. John said, listen, I, I, I come with the water baptism telling y'all to repent because I'm trying to get Israel ready for the Messiah who is to come. And I understand that some of y'all ain't going to get it, but, but the way I know who he is is I, I'm going to see the Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit descending on him. And see, I come baptizing with water, says John the Baptist, but he comes baptizing with the Holy Spirit. Oh, God, I feel that by myself. And see, church folk, we get too comfortable with the Holy Spirit. But he, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is the one who seals our salvation, who gives us the power to overcome, the one who sets our souls free. Somebody say he baptizes. And so he affirms in this text, baptizes, verse 33, with the Holy Spirit. And so he testifies and he affirms that I've seen all of this in Jesus Christ. So John is paving the way. He's setting the stage. He is helping us to understand that life has come that we might spread life. Or somebody say spread life. Life has come that we might be conduits of life. Life has come into this word. He is the light and the life of the world. Come for the sole purpose of us spreading life. Everywhere you go, life ought to take place. I don't care if you go to work. Life ought to be there because of you. I don't care if it's on your school campuses, wherever you are, life. Ought to you ought to be spreading life everywhere you go. You say, well, Pastor Brown, you don't know where I work. If you knew where I work, you know I I I just go there. I keep my head down. I don't, I don't say, Pastor, I ain't been saved that long. And and Scripture may not come out if I'm not careful, Pastor. And so I I just take my time. I do what I'm told, Pastor. I ain't got time for no life in that place. Oh, child of God, that is the one place that needs life. If it is as bad as it is, and you've told me, I get it. I, I understand what it's like to be in a hostile environment, and I submit to you, child of God. That's why you're there. Oh, y'all ain't here. Y'all, y'all go ahead. Look at your neighbor and say, that's why you're there. Come on. Some of y'all don't get out of bed. You roll out of bed every morning. 
And for many of us, coming to worship on Sundays is the highlight of our week because we get re-energized, refocused. Let me tell you something, revived. But the purpose of that is so that when you go into the hostile environment, there you would spread life. That's why you're there. Not just to get a check. Don't go quit your job now. I'm looking at you, Mike. Don't, don't, don't quit it. Sister Joyce, we need that job. Keep that job, girl. Amen. But I want you to see it differently. I want you to consider that I'm in this place. I'm in this family. I'm in the neighborhood that I'm in for the purpose of spreading life. Let's get back, let's get back to our lesson. Let's get back to our lesson. So, so as Jesus comes on the scene, things begin to shift. It's amazing how they've been waiting on him. And then when he comes, things begin to shift. Two disciples of John encounter Jesus Christ. Look at verse 35. We're in our text now. The next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. One is named, one is not. We surmise who they are. Verse 36. When when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, John the Baptist said, look, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him. Say this and followed Jesus. Stop right there. The first thing I see is the two were prepared. I just get that down. The two. The two were prepared. They, they were prepared by John the Baptist. They were prepared. They, they were waiting on the Messiah to come. And so when John identified him, there is, there is an immediate response. The two were prepared. But here's the second thing we see. The two were not only prepared, the two were convinced. Get that down. They were convinced. Oh, God. They they were convinced. Verse 38 says, when Jesus turned and noticed them following him. Stop right there. Because I read too fast. Let's go back. It says, is that the two disciples heard him say this and follow Jesus. Hmm. When Jesus turned and noticed them following him. Stop right there. Wait a minute. So John makes the statement, here is the Lamb of God. And and scripture is intentional. No accidents. It's, it's, It's right there. The two disciples who were with John walk away from John and begin following Jesus. Wow. Y'all, let me tell you how how you do that. You do that when you are convinced that this individual is, in fact, the long-waited Messiah. It's about fellowship. It's about being intentional with your life. They followed without an invitation. Y'all missed that. Jesus didn't tell them to come. Jesus is just walking. John declared, there is the Lamb of God. The two disciples of John say, oh, right, okay. And they follow suit. Why? Because they were convinced that Jesus is the Messiah. See, this speaks of the diversity in the body of Christ. Some come by proxy. Some of y'all came because your grandmother prayed for you. I need a witness up in here. She wouldn't leave you alone. You going to church today, baby? You, you need to go. Uh-huh. It don't matter. Just, just go. 
your, your, your grandfathers prayed for you. Mom and daddy and them prayed for you. Uh, 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 mama would come in that room, cut that light on. If you can go to the club, you can go to church. Come on. I ain't got no witnesses up in here. Uh, yeah, so, oh, oh, y'all waking up now. Amen. Go on, wake up. Or oh, you had one of my mamas. Uh, I had a drug problem. I had a drug problem. I had a drug problem when I was younger. And my mama drugged me to church. Amen. Without exception, I was addicted. I was, it'd be calling me. It was real. It was real. But then others of you can honestly say that the Lord spoke to you directly. No proxy. He, he penetrated your heart through a sermon, through the life, through someone. This is the diversity in the body of Christ. These brothers, they had just spent so much time with John, and, and John was proclaiming uh, the, king, mm, the kingdom of God is at hand, just proclaiming all of these things. And, and watch this. They were convinced. Watch this. When, when they heard about the lamb, there was no time for negotiation, debate, or discussion. Somebody say follow. And then with these two engaged, they had this brief conversation with the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at what it says. When Jesus turned and noticed them following him, he asked them, what are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and you'll see, he replied. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Now, there are several encounters, not several, a couple of encounters, the scriptures, uh, Give us insight into Luke chapter 5, verses 1 and 11 similarly. But this is, this is more the second encounter when they were fishing and the Lord Jesus was passing by and, and asked them what they're doing and tells them to launch out into the deep and all that goes along with that. And then he said they left everything and followed him. Y'all remember that, Luke chapter 5? This is more the first encounter, and it speaks of sort of an afternoon with Jesus. And they go to where he is staying, and they just kind of listen and, and exchange and and spend time with him. And that encounter leads us to verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two. They named the one who heard John and followed him, being Jesus. He first found his own brother, Simon, and told him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought Simon to Jesus. When Jesus saw him, he said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Here it is right there in your handout. Notice how one spreads life. You tell those closest to you. Wow. So you get the courage to witness by starting with those you're in relationship with. This is so powerful. Listen, uh, uh, Andrew, he's just like, wait a minute, I, I, I've met him. Uh, uh, I, I spent some time with him. So I, I, I'm going to find my brother. First 41 said he first found his own brother. And I'm just here to ask the question, which follows my initial opening question. Have you at least found your own folk? I mean, I appreciate, I appreciate those of you who say, Pastor, I'm going into the, the highways and the byways proclaiming people to come to Christ. Child of God, have you started at home? Oh, I ain't got no witnesses up in here. 
And so if you would but start with your own, challenging your own, in a spirit of love, not in a spirit of legalism, just starting right where you are, challenging them to do more for God. He started with his own. He knew about his brother. Y'all know about Peter? That's the cutting, cussing Peter. Some of y'all just woke up. Did he say cussing? Cutting, cussing Peter. And look at the work the Lord did in his life, but that never would have happened if his brother hadn't told him about Jesus and then brought him to Jesus. See, some of us would tell folk, but y'all, we got to go a step further. I'm talking about spread life. We got to go a step farther and we got to bring them sometimes. Sometimes you got to put them in the car. I need a witness up in here. Sometimes you got to put them in the car. You got to buckle the seatbelt and you got to lock the doors. And then you got to pull them up under the porter shed and, and push them out just to make sure. You tell those closest to you. So I, I want you to just scribble some initials in your margin of some folk that you need to tell. Don't fall asleep on me, y'all. This is good. This is good. And it's good that you get this at the beginning of the year so that you don't keep wasting time, so that you invest your time wisely. Jesus is having an impact upon the hearts of those he encounters. Jesus finds Philip and commands him, get ready to write, to follow, commands him to follow. We're still in the text. The next day, notice the sequence of the days. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. He found Philip, told him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law. And so did the prophets, Jesus, the son of Joseph, from Nazareth. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Nathanael asked him. Come and see, Philip answered. Then Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said about him, Here is truly, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me, Nathanael asked, before Philip called you? When you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Jesus answered. Rabbi Nathaniel said, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus responded to him, do you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? Oh, you will see greater things than this. Then he said, truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. Somebody say amen. amen. Let me give you a few points of application. I'm going to let you go. The Cowboys play this afternoon. Amen. <laughs> Jesus finds Philip and commands him 
to follow. Spread life by finding those who need Jesus. Spread life by finding those who need Jesus. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, verse 44, hometown of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one. Spread life by finding those who need Jesus. Here's what I'm discovering about my own witnessing life. They don't just fall in my lap. Can I get a witness there? And that frustrates me, but this text affirms the fact that it's not going to be as easy as I'd like it to be. Now, of course, there's some easy, low-lying fruit because you started with your own, your family members. But once you've surveyed them, and, and all, some of them, I know all you can do is pray for them. Amen, somebody. Just pray for them. Pray for them, them folk, them family members. Just pray for them. But then as you begin to survey your life, child of God, there are some people that the Lord has placed in your path. And there's something about them the Lord keeps putting them on your mind. You can't explain it. You get to work and, and they're on your mind. Or, 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 or maybe it's someone in your community. Maybe it's someone in your neighborhood. See, it is our responsibility as witnesses to seek and find those who are lost. Y'all, we don't have the privilege, watch this, of being saved in the boat and telling everyone else, get there on your own. We don't have the privilege of experiencing freedom in Christ and having the keys to freedom but denying them to other folk. So in 2020, you got to start finding those. You got to find them. Pastor, I don't even, I don't, know what, I don't know what that means. What does that mean, find them? Begin to talk to the Lord. Lord, who are these people that are in my life? Help me to see their needs beyond what I see. But, but Pastor Mom, they got more money than I got. It has nothing to do with their material possessions. I need a witness up in here. But, but they're farther along in their career than I am. When then good, they'll be listening to you. What I love about, about Nathaniel is his intentionality. Philip's intentionality of finding Nathaniel. Philip said, listen, man, we have found the one. And he responds. Secondly, spread life by pointing those toward Jesus. Get that down. Spread life by pointing those Toward Jesus. I'm going to set somebody free real quick. Philip is intentional about finding Nathaniel. He is, he is engaging him. He is sharing with him. He is imparting with him. And then Nathaniel responds like a lot of people that we witness to responds. Same way. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And how does Philip respond? Come and see. We have a point Somebody say point. Spread life by pointing those towards. That's all John the Baptist did was, was point. Look at what Philip does not do in the text. He doesn't answer questions he doesn't know the answers to. Oh, y'all help me, y'all. Y'all help me with this. 
See, the reason many of us are hesitant to share our faith is because we don't know all the answers. Nobody knows all the answers. So don't let that be your hint. Now, that is not, that is not a license for you not to study. Let me, let, let me review just a little bit. You should know some of these answers. Don't look. You ain't writing nothing. Look up. Look up. Look up. Ain't nothing else to write. You should. Some simple stuff you ought to know. How to explain the triune Godhead, the Trinity. You should be able to explain that. Don't get quiet now. Say amen, pastor. There are just some things you ought to know. And I've told you a million times, if you understand your own conversion, then you should be able to explain it to somebody else. But that's not the point. That's not the ultimate point. Watch this. Folks going to have all kinds of questions, some legitimate, some ridiculous. Don't get caught up with all of that. Do what you can, but most importantly, point them to Jesus. So Philip is excited, saying, man, we found him. Man, come on, come, come, come and see. And, and Nathaniel said, well, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? He doesn't even respond to that. Philip doesn't give any attention to that. All he says is come and see. And see, when you get caught up with, with the debates and all that goes along with that, then you have the opportunity to get distracted from Jesus. Somebody say, we point. Come on, say, we point. One of Leonardo da Vinci's last known portraits was, the one we, was of the one we examined the past two weeks, John the Baptist. It's a remarkable portrait. It's rumored to have been done in his own studio, one of his last ones that he ever painted. And the rumor is that one day one of his friends came by as he was painting and looked at it and was like, man, that's That's different. And the friend inquired about the elongated finger of, of John the Baptist. It was just unusually long. To which Da Vinci responded, that's what we do. We point. So he gave him this long finger as an ocular demonstration of the responsibility of all believers. We point. You point to Jesus Christ. You may not have all the answers with your mouth, but you can point with your finger. And that's what I'm here to challenge everybody under the sound of my voice. You got to spend a little time finding those who need Jesus. And once you find them, then you got to use that finger and you got to point them towards Jesus. When you point them towards Jesus, watch this. Your words may fall short, but your finger will be long. I'm, I'm finished. I'm finished, but I want to challenge you. This week, start pointing. Point with everything you got. Point with your social media. Got quiet, man. Now, I can't hear out of this here, but I know I didn't hear nothing when I said that. Point with your lifestyle. Point with your relationships. Point with 
how you behave at the job that you can't stand. Look at your neighbor and say, point, point, point. Oh, I feel him up in here. What have we said? Spread life by, watch this, finding those who need Jesus. Spread life by pointing those toward Jesus. Philip found him and brought him. Thirdly and finally, spread life by believing that greater things await. Believing that greater things await. Rabbi Nathaniel replied, you are the son of God. Jesus responded to him, do you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? And then he lets him off the hook. And he says, you will see greater things than this. Spread life by believing that greater things await. See, here's what I love. When you begin to find people and point them to Jesus, then you can give them a hope beyond whatever it is they're currently experiencing. Now, we don't promise health or wealth. We don't promise freedom from problems. We don't promise any of that because it is unbiblical. You let folk know, yeah, you're still going to have sickness. Folks still going to die, and it's still going to hurt. But the difference between then and now is you will know that you got someone that's in there with you named Jesus Christ. So it doesn't matter what happens in your life. The Lord has promised us that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. So, yes, you're going to go through some stuff. You're going you're gonna to lose some jobs with Jesus. I need a witness up in here. You're going to lose some relationship with Jesus. You're, you're going to lose some money with Jesus. You're going to get sick with Jesus. I'm a living witness. But, but the word of God has affirmed it doesn't matter what comes against you as long as you've got Jesus. So watch this, watch this. He said, listen, man, I, I need for you to understand it says, Jesus, that the, you will see greater things than this. And he speaks of, 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 of heaven opening and angels of God descending and ascending on the Son of Man, sort of referencing Jacob and, and that encounter. But, but even greater than that, he wants this young man to know and to believe that greater things await. That, that after his conversion, some things were about to happen. Y'all got to help me close this. As a matter of fact, John categorizes them with seven signs, seven things that we would know that Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah. Oh, somebody say seven. See, after this encounter, watch this, uh, uh, Jesus turned water into wine. I need a witness up in here. That was the first sign that he was who he says he was. As a matter of fact, when Jesus turned the water into wine, it was a little before his time and desire, but he did it anyway. Watch this, because he needed the world to know who he was. But after that, he went into the temple, and he cleaned up the temple. That was the second sign. He, he saw these men doing some things that they had no business doing in his temple. And the Lord Jesus pulled out a cord and started whipping folk up in the church. I, I wish I had a little bit of that right now. Because he wasn't going to tolerate them turning his father's house into a den of thieves. But somebody say, after that. After that, he healed the nobleman's son. I want you to understand these are greater things that are coming. And, and he allowed the young man to see these greater things. And, and he healed the nobleman's son. But watch this. Somebody say, after that. 
After that, he healed the lame man. And see, what happens is when you encounter Jesus Christ, watch this, child of God, everything that was lame oh, will regain his strength. Everything that was off will be brought into alignment. That's what Jesus does. But then after that, somebody say after that. We find Jesus feeding the multitude. I'm talking about greater things. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And when he fed the multitude, some say 5,000, some say 7,000, some say 4,000. All I know is he fed more than you or I could have fed. And when he fed the multitude, it demonstrated his power and his authority. But somebody say after that. After that, he finds a whole blind man. And then he, he engages the blind man. And he heals the blind man. And the blind man goes from not seeing to seeing. Why? Because Jesus has power and authority. Oh, but somebody say after that. The seventh sign is when his dear brother named Lazarus had been in the tomb three or four days. And he said, Lazarus, come out. And he came out bound. And then they set him free. But I need for you to understand something else. There was another after that. Because after that, the Lord Jesus found himself on trial, taken from courtroom to courtroom. Hell, Hosanna on Monday, crucified on Friday. And then they hug him on an old rugged cross. Somebody say after that, after he hung on that cross, the Bible says he died. Didn't he die? Put him in an old borrowed tomb. Stayed in that old borrowed tomb. And on the third day, somebody say after that, he got up. With all power in his hand. Power to heal you and to heal me. Power to set you free. Power to save your soul. Power to make you whole. Is there anybody in the house that can testify that I've got the power? Give your neighbor a high five and say, neighbor, I got the power. Power to make me walk right. Power to make me talk right. Power to make me live right. Power to make me shout. Power to make me laugh. Anybody got the power? Say yes. Say yes. Say yes. Woo. Come on, power. Come on, power. Come on, power. Somebody here needs the power. Come on, bless him, lift him up for the power. Oh, God. Woo. Right where you are, if you could stand with me right where you are. Nobody walking, nobody moving. Just stand right where you are. As Reverend White said, give him a good old fist bump. Come on. Right next to your neighbor. Bump them. You don't have to know him, just bump the fist. Dirt can't get on that side of the hand. Come on, bump that fist. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the challenge on today. Challenge to spread life. Father, remove all excuses and hindrances going forward. 
We don't have to have the answers. You don't require that. We don't have to know everything. It's not required. But what is required is that each of us are prepared and convinced. From that place, Father, you can do miraculous things through us. So, Father, give us a desire, a sense of unction, urgency to spread life. Help us to begin with our own, Father. Just contacting relatives, asking them, how are they doing? Asking them the direct question, have you received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? And doing so not in an arrogant way, but in a spirit of humility. Just pointing them to Jesus. And then, Father God, may we give them a hope that greater things are in store. That as they make this profession of faith, as they receive this tremendous gift of salvation, Father, may we also know that we are establishing our legacy, a real legacy, one that will transcend time and eternity. What joy to know that we get to play a part in redemptive work. God, we love you, and I pray that each of us under the sound of my voice would be duty-bound and committed to spreading life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Let everybody say amen. Come on. Give